This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. J.J. Watt in the backfield. J.J. Watt, baby. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Should have known something was going to go down in Seattle when I reached in my bag for two things sunglasses and sunscreen in 20 years or so never before have we needed those two items in seattle so you knew something wacky was about to happen and or uh what's that global warming (laughs) maybe it's maybe it's could global warming help the cardinals offense at this point that's the initial question here off the top maybe yeah exactly maybe the rising tide of heat that lifts all boats including a cardinals offense that needs needs to defrost a little bit here on cardinals underground there's the intro that we all needed that was impressive you made that work paul about that uh like you mean because i kept cutting them off and he somehow tied in global warming. I really had no choice because, uh, yeah, Darren was just in, very intrusive at that moment. But here we are. We're off and rolling. All brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. Cardinals are two and four as we speak. And just a matter of hours until the next game is on the schedule. Thursday night football. So no real time to think about what just went down. Unless you're doing a podcast like the three of us. And, yes, we will break it down. Danny, where would you like to start? Huh, that's a good question. Let's start with the defense. Okay. All right, there you go. Uh, the fact that they've now held their last four appoint- opponents to no more than 20 points apiece. Winning football, I think we would all agree. Maybe the only thing we'll agree on the entirety of this podcast, right? I, I would agree with that. Yeah, I thought that once again there were good spots in the defense. Again, another week of containing the key opponents. And Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf combined for just four carry, four catches and 51 yards. Um, now the rookie, Kenneth Walker III, put up almost 100 yards on the ground. So that was a problem in stopping the run. However, it was a second straight week that a defensive player not named J.J. Watt was dynamic and was making plays. And that's a good sign. It looked like the defense was coming alive with sacks from Zayvon Collins, Marcus Golden, Cam Thomas, Myjay Sanders. And that, to me, was a bright spot of, of course, you, you know, J.J. Watt's going to make plays. Him and Zach Allen are going to be disruptive. But the fact that you had other guys actually taking advantage of that and and really coming home and capitalizing on that was good for me when looking at the defense. Then again, at the very end, they gave up a drive, a scoring drive that Mm -hmm. proved to be pretty instrumental, sort of like the end of the Philly game where they gave up the seven-play, 70-yard drive, took nearly eight minutes off the clock. So as Vance Joseph told the media last week, that's the next step to be – you know, to be that defense that in the clutch times is big time and is able to turn the tide of a game. They're not quite there yet. They're playing well enough to at least be a 500 team. But, uh, you know, it's it's definitely has exceeded expectations, put it that way, based on what most people thought the Cardinals' defense was going to be all about coming into this season. No question. And, and I think that, I mean, they yeah, they needed to get that stop at the end. And, you know, Zayvon Collins was saying that in the locker room afterwards when we were talking. Because, obviously, the, the narrative in the locker room is about the defense playing well and the offense can't do anything with it 
And, you know, Zayvon Collins is like, but we have to play better. We have to help the offense even more. And it, that last drive, the next last drive or whatever it was, that, that's a great example where they cut it 12-9. Yeah, the offense still isn't doing anything, but you, you've got a chance there. And then you let the Seahawks go down and get a touchdown and make it a two-score game again. That's where it's really tough. But when you start saying, you know, this defense is better than it was, I, I saw a, a guy who um, he's in, he's on football Twitter. He was a one-time scout or something, or he's an amateur scout, or he's one of these guys that does like scouting of the college things. And he was talking about um, the the Cardinals saying the Cardinals are in a bad shape right now. And he talked a little bit of the offense, and he said, and they need a whole new defense. And I'm like, I sent it to somebody I knew, and I said, you know, tell me. Tell me that you haven't seen the Cardinals defense without saying you haven't seen the Cardinals defense, and that was it. I mean, I, I understand that they don't have any big names, and I understand that they've, they, they aren't the best defense in the league. But again, as you mentioned, when you're giving up 20 points a game in this day and age, and on the other side of the ball you have one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the league and, and some offensive talent that should work, 20 points a game should win you a lot of football games. I mean, you want to boil it down. The Cardinals' defense is doing more with less. The Cardinals' offense is doing less with more. Just based on the finances alone, just based on the salaries invested on either side. By the way, speaking of the whole you know, offense versus defense, did Zavin mention to the media, because he did in our post-game radio interview, that that was basically the message from J.J. Watt after the game? It was like, hey, let, let's stay together. Nothing we do as individuals will really matter as much. If we're going to do it, we need to do it together as a team. And I'm guessing, reading between the lines, that don't let the media come in here and ask pesky questions about offense is bad and defense is good. So you, you don't want to go through the Buddy Ryan years again? <laughs> were you here for the Buddy Ryan years? Uh, the very end. Okay. The very end. Of the, I was here at the very end of the Buddy Ryan years. In fact, we did a story that I'm not proud of at Channel 5 back in the day, and we reviewed his initial press conference upon introduction. There was the famous line, Danny, you got a winner in town, which is what he did. He walked up to the podium and he said, like Rex, Rex Ryan, once upon a time, right? Buddy Ryan said, you got a winner in town. Boom. And right. So then we went back and said, well, maybe he said, like, uh, I don't know, you got a schwimmer in town. Like that was when Friends was big or, you know, anyways, this stupid story. And yeah, uh, Buddy Ryan. No, yeah, it's great. Keep going. Yeah. Should edit it out. <laughs> it was awful. Um, it was just. I'm sorry, Paul. It's not. He, it's not. The you. Guy, I guess by, what I should have said and not told the story was he was a walking parody, and by the end of his yes. tenure, everybody just well, lampooned him. And basically. when I say bring out the butt, because that was a major problem with the Buddy Ryan. First of all, it happened in Chicago when the offense struggled, and yep. it was one of the reasons that Mike Ditka and Buddy Ryan didn't get along. And it happened to a lesser extent in Philadelphia, and it definitely started happening in Arizona, where he built up a pretty decent defense and not a great offense, and and then proceeded to kind of stoke that fire himself in a lot of ways by turning it against each other, and then there's just that natural schism. And I, I'm not – that's not is what's happening now. You know, Buda Baker was saying, you know, these are our brothers. Everybody in this locker room, we're rooting. We're rooting for the offense. They're rooting for the defense. And I do think that's true. Um, and that said, yeah, I mean, at some point – Everybody's well, a human being too, and you could, there's going to be frustration. And look, uh, doing the post game radio interview, especially in Seattle, that's another story you probably don't want to hear. Is how you're right next to the kicker's locker. Literally, the patch cord is right there. Next. Yeah, that's true. I, I've stepped on Jay Feely over the years, Phil Dawson, Neil Rackers, Chandler Canzara. <laughs> yes, and I mean, there's Cliff Kingsbury, and I'm trying to 
ask a question about Matt Amendola, who happens to be three inches from the side of me, and it was very awkward. But uh, you're also the first media member in there, and I can tell you, I mean, guys, it, it was raw. Emotions were raw, and I asked Zayvon Collins just an open-ended question about the temperature in the room, and his quote was, yeah, I think we're all pissed, quote, unquote. And then he said, something's got to change. I don't know what it is, but something has to change. That's Zayvon Collins. Well, now, what can you change in a short week going into Thursday Night Football? Realistically, probably not much, but I don't know if he's talking about X's and O's. I don't know. No, I, I honestly don't know what he's referring to. He, the thing is, he's, he's not, because then I talked to him later, and he was talking about, like, we don't we don't know, but we got to figure it out. And he goes, that's really all it is, is we got to figure it out. But the problem is, is when they say we got to figure it out, nobody knows what that means at this point. You know, A.J. Green sat in his locker and said people were asking about the offense, and he talked about, hey, we have the weapons and we have the players. And, and that, with all due respect to A.J., that – sounds a little hollow right now i mean it, at some point and i've said this a million times over the years because you start getting cliches when things start going bad but if you're not playing well it's either you don't have enough talent on the roster your coaching isn't good or the players aren't trying hard enough that's it now it might be a combination of those three but i can't think of any other reason why you would consistently struggle I mean, feel free to let me know. But it's either effort by the players, yep. coaching, or talent. There, There is nothing else. And I guess I'll fill in the blank there. I'd say there was a little bit maybe of all three in that loss at Seattle. In terms of talent, your backup offensive lineman didn't fare real yeah, well. Yeah, that's true. Now, in terms of effort, um, I you know, I, I would say there's still a problem where if guys don't think they're a primary target on a play, they're maybe not running the play out. There's some of that, perhaps. And in terms of coaching, well, something changed, obviously. The Cardinals came out on the first two possessions. They had six first downs. They moved the ball. They had second and goal at the one. And instead of going straight ahead, which I'm guessing the offensive line really wanted to do, come off the ball again, I think a lot of people want to see the Cardinals just come off the ball time and again, and you got one yard between you and the goal line. Why are you moving laterally at all, and why are you in the gun in an empty set? Okay, so, and then the last element of that, what was the last element? It was just, uh, well, I think we covered all we three. We covered right all there. three. And, so, and I don't, yeah. I don't, I, I didn't, you're, you notice a little bit more being down on the sidelines about, like, the, I mean, for the most part, I feel like the effort's there. I, I, something's not. Can I say this? And, and, and I'm going to make a comparison to 2013 when Carson Palmer's first six or seven games, he threw yep. eight or nine picks. Yep. And everyone thought Carson Palmer was done. I had multiple people saying Drew Stanton should be in yep. the starting lineup. Turns out Carson was covering for all his receivers who were messing up the offense. That's true. They were in the wrong spots at the wrong times. He was throwing to the spot the receivers were supposed to be in. They weren't. He was getting picked off. This is just my observation from the sideline. There are different guys at different moments making different mistakes. And it's like whack-a-mole. If you're the head coach or you're the quarterback right now, it's whack-a-mole in terms of just small, little mistakes from different guys at different times, and it's enough to get you beat. And it's enough where I think they're actually being honest. We don't know the answer. Because if it's this guy this time and that guy next time, and you know three plays from now there's a – false start here or an illegal man downfield there or guess what you dropped 
a third and five and you're at, you're at the sticks and you drop the ball, I mean, there's different errors at different times. So the question is, is this going to be the pattern you see all season? Because at some point, the 2013 Cardinals figured it out. And they started winning games. And they missed the playoffs that year, even though they won 10 games, if memory serves. And But now, okay, you got a Cardinals team that is still only a game out of first place. They played some bad ball, but they're still only a game out of first place, and they have a defense worthy of making a playoff run at least if they can figure out the mental side, especially on offense. That's just my observation from the outside looking in. It's interesting because this offense is so similar to the offense last year. So many of the same players here that found a way to consistently be good throughout the season. Now, they did have their skid at the end of the season and and the playoff game, we know. But this team, especially the first half of the season, the offense specifically, was playing well. So I wonder if that's part of it, is knowing that this offense and this coaching staff has meshed well and found success in the past and knowing they can and the frustration of why they're not. And I, I wonder if it's almost like my, my personal example would be like growing up, I was never good at math. So, you know, you, you're doing homework and you get stumped on an early question, you're a little frustrated. And then when you get stumped on a later question, that frustration just grows. And then you're frustrated that you're frustrated. And I wonder if that's more what this is mentally is just the frustration is just building up and they can't get past it. It's we talked about what some of the issues might be like Cliff Kingsbury came out. And we're on the short week, and he acknowledged two different times, one in his press conference and one on Arizona Sports, when he was asked directly if he would consider giving up play calling, he he said, I'd consider it. Now, he only said I'd consider it, and it's it's 180 degrees from where he was a couple years ago when he said he'd retire if he ever wasn't being able to play call, call the plays. And, and who knows? He might be getting to the point where I'm like, okay, I'll let somebody else call the plays, and we'll see how no. this works out. and. No. Well, and we don't know. We don't know to what degree his play calls are being changed at the line of scrimmage. Quarterback has free reign, quote-unquote, according to Colin Murray. So we honestly don't know, do we? I mean, how many times are, are the play calls? Is he checking into something else? He's obviously checking into different plays at different times. We can all see that. But how often is a call being changed? You know, I'll give you an example. Like this whole opening drive and first quarter stuff, it just seems like this is just me once again that they're trying to do a little bit of everything on these opening drives instead of maybe sticking with one thing. Now, this 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 game in particular, they emphasized Kyler in the run game, and he ripped off the 42-yarder, and that seemed to be like their plan. They, and so, okay, but it, sometimes maybe just maybe they're trying to get a little too complicated trying to incorporate a little too much and you know instead of being the master of one thing you you know it's it's just so uh i don't know but it leads see when we have this sort of uh non-production then it leads all of us to have all these theories and wonder about it and uh i tell you minus hollywood brown your most reliable receiver now he's gonna miss at least six games according to the reports it's gonna be on that receiver room big time more than ever because uh, to me, Hollywood Brown was the one guy that Kyler Murray could count on, snap in and snap out. Well, and we've kind of buried buried the lead a yep. little bit. You brought up Brown, who's hurt his foot, and he's going to miss six weeks. And I think the bye might be in there, so maybe it would only be six. Maybe it'd only be five games. Who knows? Uh, but you, we talked about the offensive line injuries, and Justin Pugh's done for the season with an ACL tear. 
They make a trade mm. for Robbie Anderson of the Panthers, who was on the trade block, to give them some speed and some height. Because that my the first thought was when they made a trade, when they made the trade for Anderson, was not having Hollywood. That the whole point of bringing Hollywood Brown was to pair him with Hopkins, so that one or the other one wouldn't get overwhelmed. And now you're right back to where it was. So you bring in this guy, and and I think you're going to have to lean on him as we go because who else are you going to lean on? And if you're going after Robbie Anderson to be on the outside, that tells me that Rondale Moore will continue to be that slot guy. And, again, my question is how much are you actually going to use him down the field at all? When you bring up Rondale Moore, I I do like that. I feel like they've been using him vertically more the last – two weeks, but really in Seattle. My question is, when you look at Rondell Moore, and I understand why you're playing him over Greg Dortch, who was good those first three weeks that Rondell didn't play because he had that hamstring injury. I understand why you would play more over Dortch because he's your pick and that's who you know that that's who you want in your offense. Does it have to be either or? Because ever since Moore came back, Dortch hasn't, besides special teams, hasn't really even been out there. Well, he got four snaps, did he not? He yeah. got four reps against yeah, this last game of the Seahawks. And I'm, not, I'm not saying that would be create a drastic yeah. change, but he consistently, right. Greg Dortch, was one of your best receivers, at least when you look at the stats. Well, I, I, I see where you're going from, see where you're coming from, and I don't disagree. But I, for me, again, I just have my question then becomes where do you put him? Like yeah, does that's he, the problem. I don't I don't think he fits with Moore on the field. And it doesn't make a lot of sense if you really think Rondell Moore is one of your guys going forward, which they want him to be. Yeah, but a year ago you had Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore on the field at the same time. Yes, and then Christian Kirk left and then the Jacksonville Jaguars tried to put him in the slot because that's where they want him. And that's that again, that was always the issue here was Cliff Kingsbury showed up and I think we've had that conversation. Yeah. They drafted Andy Isabella, and at one point they had Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella and Rondell Moore and Larry Fitzgerald, and all those guys at that point in their careers were slot receivers. And you only have basically one. So Isabella never quite worked out. They drafted Moore because Isabella didn't work out. They were playing Kirk on the outside because there were other people they wanted in the slot, and Fitz just wasn't an outside receiver anymore. So, I mean, what they need is outside receivers. They don't need more slot guys. One guy we're forgetting here is the aforementioned uh, A.J. Green, who's been... Who my guess is he's the one going to lose playing time now that uh, Anderson's here. Yeah. And and to Danny's point, I I don't care if they play two totally different positions. Right now, I would play Dorch over A.J. Green. I I just would, just based on production and reliability and the spark that Dorch gives you when he touches the ball and the way the sideline reacts to him. He just... I don't know. He just... Things happen when he's out on the field, and he's able to make guys miss after the catch. And I, I'm not. I, look, so, I, there's you're you're not the only two wondering that. I get that question quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. but you know the other thing is when Justin P went out of the game, a lot of the Cardinals' production on offense dried up. Oh yeah. So they got to figure that out. So which brings me to my next question, Cody Ford. What's his status? What is known about Cody Ford that at this was, point? That was another thing that was weird. I asked Cliff Kingsbury about that, and Cliff said, well, hopefully he can play this week, and if not, Max Garcia will fill in for Pew, which I thought was odd because they are not practicing this week, and Cody Ford at this point, they haven't even opened his practice window. Mm. Now, they could tomorrow, okay. and maybe that's what that's going to happen is maybe they're going to open Cody Ford's practice window tomorrow. But you're asking him to come in and play – offensive line in an NFL game when he will not have practiced for over a month 
And they're not practicing this week yeah. because of the short week. And he only got so much practice because he joined the team at the end yeah. of the preseason. So I think I think yeah. ultimately he's going to yeah. replace Pew, but I don't know if it's Thursday. Right. Wow. Well, that's uh, no, that's that's a great point. I, I feel like we really. I mean, Paul's like we've thrown Paul for a loop, and, yeah. and I this, worry about his mental health. And, and there's so many others. I mean, it was estimated the injury report on Monday because there wasn't practice for either team. But we saw Dennis Gardak go into the locker room during the game. There, there's yeah, a lot of players you have to you would in a normal week wonder about, but especially on a short week, is you walk yes. that fine line of come a Thursday game, you're obviously not going to put a player in a compromising situation. So if they're healthy enough, do you play them? Or is it a situation specifically thinking about the running backs with James Conner and Daryl Williams? You give them that extra rest, the mini buy before the well, next week. Cliff basically already ruled out Williams, so the question is: Is Conner? And and I I would I would wonder about that. I would want to be careful. And everybody's going through it. I mean, if you look at the Saints, the Saints aren't going to oh. have Marshawn Lattimore. They're not going to have Jarvis Landry. They're not going to have Michael Thomas. Both quarterbacks on the injury report. Yeah, I mean, Winston's not going to start. I don't know what, what they're going to do with Dalton. Well, I should say two quarterbacks in Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton because I don't know what they consider Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is not a quarterback anymore, but I'm sure he could play there if he needed to. They actually have him listed as a tight end, believe yeah, it or not, I believe Taysom that. Hill. Well, that's he's not playing quarterback anymore it, for the most part. Two weeks ago, he had three touchdown runs against the Seahawks. Yeah, He's listed as a tight end. And then they lost their tight end, Adam Troutman, starting yeah. tight end in this last game. Play. He's not going to play. So. so, I mean, that's the thing <laughs> yeah. is when we start talking about the injuries, the other teams are going to – now, yeah. all that right now, does that mean does that mean Amazon's going to have another very interesting Thursday night game in front of them? Maybe. Maybe. By the way, the Cardinals just signed a kicker, first name Jack, last name Squat. So that's uh, the guy right now. You uh, almost have me there, Paul. Unless, you know, Benjamin is the guy. As of right now, the Cardinals do not have a kicker on the roster. Matt Prater. Matt Prater's on the roster. Well, okay. He's not on IR. Yeah. So uh, are we expecting Prater to actually have a chance? I guess. I don't know. Well, they could easily sign a kicker on Tuesday to the practice squad and then bring him up that day, which I would expect to happen. I would expect to happen. I don't think you can yeah, count on Matt right, Prater picking right. Thursday. So the fact the Cardinals got inside the 30 four times and only tried one field goal at Seattle – you know, that led Kyler Murray after the game at his locker to say, we can't finish. And he said those words like three or four times. We can't finish. That's what's plaguing this offense right now. And then he went on to say that the last time Bleep felt this hard, it was his rookie year. I mean, and, and you know what? He's right. The completion percentage is right there his rookie year. Yeah. It's, it's, there's no rhythm right now. There is no production. Things don't look to be in sync. Even his accuracy isn't what it once was for whatever reason. Some of those catches Zach Ertz made yes. were miraculous just, just to make the catch. It kind of, I hate to say this, kind of reminded me of the Josh Rosen year because when Rosen actually completed balls, they were so off the target that there were no yards after catch. Guys had to stop their route or contort themselves just to make a grab. And to think that we, the Cardinals just traded for a wide receiver that was just butting heads with Steve Wilkes. So, hey, it's 2018 all over the place. Yes, it is. And Al Holcomb is a defensive coordinator again in Carolina. Yes. So, all the above. We're talking about all this stuff Danny doesn't yeah. care about. Okay, but so, That's not true. So, here's my question. I just and this, wasn't here. This is a real question. Every team has problems. What's the old saying? Nobody wants to hear about your problems. But if you have a true franchise quarterback, that's the panacea. Aaron Rodgers came in here last year on primetime without Devontae Adams. 
and he found a way to beat the Cardinals minus his biggest target. We've seen Tom Brady with a bunch of nobodies in his prime and beyond. If you're a franchise quarterback making $230 million on your contract extension, should you expect him to persevere and just get out there and still get a win and get into the end zone no matter who's out there with you? Absolutely. And I think taking that a step further is when you look at the roster, Kyler Murray has the talents to still pull off a win. It's not like he has a bunch of nobody rookie offensive weapons that he's you know, having to play with. He has these experienced veterans. He has younger players like Greg Dortch and even Rondale Moore who have over you know the time playing with Kyler Murray still had those big connections with him. So absolutely, I think while this doesn't all just fall on Kyler Murray, you're right, as a franchise quarterback, it is your job to elevate your receivers, help them get open, and still find a way to win games. It has, I, I did feel like, it almost felt kind of like Vegas in the sense in, in terms of playing against Seattle of Kyler Murray. It seemed like that same kind of mentality of I'm going to take it myself if I have to, seeing the amount of times he was running the ball. Even after that fumble, like continue to run the ball afterwards. That's what I kind of took it as was it felt like that same mentality we heard from him earlier in the year was if I got to run it, I'm going to run it. And that's to me what it felt like. I mean, you could the, the difference for me was not only was he willing to run it, but that was there were more runs – where he could have gone out of bounds and swerved back into the into yep. either running up the middle in the first place or swerving back into the field of play, that's more than ever that I can remember. Yep. And I and I I think it would have if he was throwing the ball well, I think the Cardinals would have been awesome yesterday. The problem was he ran it really well, and the and the, the passing game just never ever yep. clicked. And to me, you know, you can talk about the coaching, you can talk about removing the play calling duties from from the head coach, et cetera, and that was newsworthy and noteworthy. There's no doubt about it. But the one thing that trumps everything to me is if your 25-year-old franchise quarterback regresses. That's a whole nother conversation. Do you, see, do you see this as something is just not clicking, or you see this as a true regression? The accurate, or are they, are they the same? The accuracy to me is a regression. Based, I mean – We've all we've all seen it, whether on TV or in person, from the press box, from the sideline. We've all seen it. He's missing open receivers. Why? What, what is it? I mean, underthrowing a lot the, of passes. The, the thing that threw me in Seattle was the the early bomb to Hollywood, and he had like a step and a half on the kid, and and it just was short. And they, you know, they're crediting the kid with a, a nice pass breakup, and I'm like, he, all he did was like have the ball hit him in the back because the ball was short. And then unfortunately. On the play where Hollywood Brown got injured, he was completely smothered and covered by Tariq Woolen on that. There was no separation on that. The six foot four rookie who runs the four two six was stride for stride with Hollywood right in his hip pocket. I'm not sure why Kyler even threw that ball. I, there was no separation. That felt like that, a frustration. Th- that's who he trusts. We talked about it. Yeah. That that's that's his go to. That's who he trusts. And I feel yeah. like it seems like at times Kyler would rather take that chance with Hollywood Brown than maybe another option. Well, and I also feel like yesterday was, as well as he was running, the the pass protection got to the point where I think, especially when they were behind, that Kyler started getting the, okay, here they come, I got to do something about yeah. this kind of feel. And rush, yeah. the decision-making was rushed and the choices were rushed. Yeah, and that was 4th and 11. I, I think there's frustration from a lot of folks. Okay, it's 4th and 11, you're going for 40. 
what what, what about something that's going to be closer to the sticks you know at, at that point and so either way uh the car look I consider it correctable. I really do. Everything I've seen out there, I consider correctable. I, I don't see a Cardinals offense necessarily getting blown off the. Now, if they're going to have backup interior O linemen, then that could be an issue. That Not could if be, they're going yeah, to. So if those guys are going to continue to get dominated, and, and I hate to say it, Seattle was about their best interior defensive lineman in Al Woods, and they still had issues trying to block up front. So if that's going to continue to be the case against Cameron Jordan and company against the Saints on Thursday night, well, you can have all the talent in the world. If your old line is a sieve, then you're going to have issues. Just talk to the Rams right now. We just lost Joe Noteboom, their left tackle, wasn't playing very well to begin with. What do you do with Billy Price? Is that an option? Once again, what does he know? I mean, a Cody Ford, if he's in there, hasn't played contact, full contact football in a month. If Billy Price is in there, he's new to the system. And if he's your center, who's calling the pass protections? Do you trust him in your system yet? Uh, you know, there's, there's all these, you know, Robbie Anderson, if he plays, and apparently he's going to play, he's going to have some sort of package. Okay, is Kyler going to be able to make checks with Robbie Anderson out there? Uh, then again, there's enough guys blowing it up for Simons from what I can see. <laughs> I don't know how much worse it can get. I just, I think on a necessity, especially since you have new guys in, on the offensive line and some at least one new receiver, you're probably going to have to simplify things. And I don't know if that's a bad thing for this Cardinals offense at this point. Just let's keep it simple and just try and dominate physically. Just make your block and or do your job, Bill Belichick, and let's see where that gets us. The one thing, and it's so obvious, and I'm not trying to say it's not cliche necessarily, but when Cliff was talking about potentially thinking about giving up the play calling, he basically said, all I want to do is score points and win games. And that's about as simple as it gets. And it does feel like at this point, that's the Cardinals just need to look. And that doesn't answer anything. That doesn't say, well, how do you get there? But I do feel like it has to get that much more simple. Like, again, we were talking about down there. And obviously, if they had to do it over again, they wouldn't be running Kyler on the outside uh, on that second one on the goal line. But also, that play has worked a million times where you – you know, the defense thinks you're going to give it to the guy yeah. up the middle and then you and Kyler's able to get outside with a speed and it just didn't work that time. It just I felt like for me in that circumstance, the Seattle Seahawks were not stopping him. Yeah, Eno had gotten stopped for a short gain on the play before, but it was two yards and two more yards would have gotten in the end zone. And all that's all you needed at that point. And, and, and again, to me, when you talk about being more simple, maybe that's when we talk about simple, that's it. I mean, I was trying to tell Craig Grealu last week in cover two. Well, you can't tell him anything. Going into the Seattle game that I just break every tendency at this point. You're, you've been shut out at, through five games in the first quarter. Just come out and do something entirely different for the sake of being different. Because what do the great offensive play callers in the league do? What do they achieve? They keep defenses honest, right? Whenever the Cardinals play Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan, what do you hear from the defensive players? Yeah, they keep you honest. They show you stuff you haven't seen before. You think it's one thing and it's totally different. It's another. It's the same personnel group. And you think it's this play. Nope, it's that. And because of that, maybe you hesitate just a little bit to diagnose and discern what it is. And that's all they need. And that's the edge they need to get a block on you. And there it is. A big gainer. Big chunk play. Honestly, at this point, change for the sake of change isn't a bad thing, I don't think. Just to break tendencies so the Saints can't come out and go, oh, yeah, we've seen this again. 
You know, I mean, the one frustrating point for me, it was... Uh, Seems like there's a lot of them for you, Paul. For everybody get in line behind me. Fourth quarter, it's fourth and two at the 23, and what do the Cardinals do? They go shotgun and empty backfield. Okay. All I know is when we've had defensive linemen on the Big Red Rage, and they say when they go against teams in key short yardage situations, if they get into the gun, especially if it's empty, all of a sudden it cuts in half the possibilities of what's coming. It makes their job a lot easier to read the play and or come off the ball with even more vengeance because they don't have to worry about a running back coming through the hole anymore or a straight-ahead run play. So uh, that's the kind of thing in those situations that are so critical to every game, to converting and extending a drive, I'd love to see them just do something entirely different. I think that's fair. I wonder if that's maybe not in terms of play calling, but mentally if that was part of the walkthrough last week of giving that break and really trying to focus on things mentally. And maybe that's, I don't want to say a blessing because of the way they've played, but having a short week and not having any true practices and it's really just going to be a bunch of walkthroughs, maybe that is in a way going to be helpful for this team mentally to focus and maybe make some changes and really focus on that when it comes to doing those that preparation work. I don't know. I'm just trying to find well, the silver lining here. And, and look, I, I have the quote. Someone right, has to. Normally, that's you, Paul. I have the quote right here, and I think I might have cut and pasted it off your story on azcardinals.com, Darren, just, just for uh, you know discussion's sake. Cliff Kingsbury, after the game, quote, we will see how we can move things around personnel-wise and scheme-wise and see how we can get better. It's a six-game view, and it hasn't been good enough. Okay, now what's realistic on a short week? Probably not much. Well, and, he, and, he, and I don't know that this is what's going to happen, but it's so f- interesting to me that um, Cliff is now saying maybe I consider giving up the play calling because if you recall, it was after a Thursday night game in 2018 that Steve Wilkes let Mike McCoy go, the offensive coordinator, and promoted Brian uh, Byron Leftwich. Now, I don't know if the result Thursday is going to mean anything, uh, a very wise hockey coach that I covered once upon a long time ago, Jim Schoenfeld, once said when there were rumors out there. Have that, another donut, Koharski? Yeah, that's, no, that's the famous one. Uh, Shoney said we were talking to him and there had been a story leaked out that he was going to get fired that night if the Coyotes lost to the Ducks. They had had the Coyotes had a great start that season and they had faded and he was going to get fired. And Shoney's point was, if I'm bad enough to get fired, if we lose, wouldn't I be bad enough to be fired before the game even starts? Like, well, why would one game mean anything? Right. So one out of eighty-two. I don't know if if this result means anything on Thursday night or not, but when you talk about the timing, maybe it makes sense that okay, if we're going to make a change, like the process of how we call plays in a week or what uh, breaking all our tendencies maybe it makes more sense to do it out in the mini buy after a Thursday night game than trying to jam it in to this week right now so inquiring minds want to know who would it be Spencer Whipple who called plays in Cleveland would it be Cam Turner was the close relationship with Kyla Murray is the passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach who would it be you think I, I don't know between the two of those. I, I, I How would that even be? Sean deter- Kugler? Could Kugler supposedly weighs in on a lot of the run plays. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they've got choices. And, and again, 
and I was talking to somebody about this. We fans fans talk about hiring an offensive coordinator or not scripting the same plays or not calling you have a different play caller and I'm like there's there's always little these little nuances. Let's make this very clear. He said he'd consider giving up play calling. That does not mean bringing an offensive coordinator. That does right. not bring mean bringing somebody from the outside. If they do a change, it's going to be within the staff. Make that very clear. So it's not like there's some outside, you know, guy walking in the door. Nor would that make any sense at this time of year anyways. And once again, I'm just gonna, I'll say it again. We don't know how many play calls are being changed by the quarterback at the line of scrimmage. We just we don't know. So it's it's hard to and really we never determine. will. Yeah, and it's, so it's hard to determine. Uh, we do know. Here we go. Segue in three, two, one. We do know that some of the young pass rushers were productive, and it was good to see a Cameron Thomas, a My J Sanders, Jesse Lucetta, who was a problem at times out there. And so it was good to see those guys show some athleticism off the edge. Even Cam Thomas, who looked like he was playing more of a five technique most of the game. Which see, doesn't see, does that really surprise you that no, much? No, not at all. No. I was a little surprised they put him at outside linebacker when he showed up. Honestly, and you know, Darren, you call yourself a reporter. You need to get on this. Is Cam Thomas now residing in the D line room? I'd like to know that. I'd like to know that. Is he still over there in the outside? Because Honestly, it's probably no. There's probably like fire codes against the you know space in the in the outside linebacker room at this point. They have so many that you had to move somebody out of there. Well, Devon Kennard was cut. Oh, that's Paul. right. That's right. That's right. I think he actually signed with Baltimore's practice squad. He did, which is really? good for him. Yeah. Okay, so he's got a locker next to I Andy. That's right. Oh my gosh, exactly. you're right. There we go. We always maybe find they're, maybe Paul they're was roommates. Bring it back to that, wasn't he? <laughs> always find a way to work it in somehow, some way. Paul Even when so he's not here, he's still with us. Paul is yeah. so upset that the Cardinals don't play the Ravens this year. It's well, true. preseason, but oh yeah, that's yeah. well, yeah. yeah. But both those guys were still yeah. here. Yeah. So yeah, though, and then of course you have the Cardinals secondary. Uh, in the first half, we saw Byron Murphy travel quite a bit with DK Metcalf, and then they changed it up. Antonio Hamilton was with DK Metcalf quite a bit. That got a little feisty and chippy. That did, especially at the end of the first half. Did you see that when that happened? So there was a play to Metcalf right before the end of the first half, and Hamilton broke it up, and then he started like making gestures to Metcalf and the side, like "Go ahead, test me, I'll do it." And the very next play. They threw a fade to Metcalf in the end zone, and Antonio broke it up, and Metcalf was looking for a pass interference. And then Antonio really let him know, and that was the that was the last play before they kicked the field goal before halftime. Gotcha. So. No, that's good stuff. That's good. It's uh, and I tell you what, I mean, if Trayvon Mullen is ever a factor and ever gets healthy, then <laughs> you have four pretty good corners at that at this point. Well, we don't know he's a good corner. We we, we haven't have seen four enough corners. Okay. Yeah. All I know is when they put Christian Matthew in, how many snaps did Christian Matthew get? Because not a lot. Geno Smith went right at him yeah. the moment thirty-five got into the game. Yeah. So you could use one more corner. No, and I'm sure it's Mullen, but he's got to get healthy. Yeah. At least he seems to be doing yeah. a little bit better with a hamstring, but who knows? Zaven, by the way, filled it up right. Not only the two sacks, he had two tackles for loss. He had a couple of quarterback hits. So. I don't know how. I he, think he's a very uh, intelligent uh, post game quote too, Paul. He is. No, he's a I great like interview. He is. He's, I, he's thoughtful. I even said that to Mike Hellman, our media relations department, afterwards uh, in the locker room, saying like he is, like really just become such a better quote, and not in the sense of he's saying what you want to hear, but the way he is explaining things and being no. very honest and. 
he's you know, honest. He's, he's not being short in his answers, and he doesn't even talk after in cliches a loss. necessarily. No, I thought he was great. At least I'm, I'm not sure your radio interview because we were talking about out his locker, Paul. But um, I thought he was great. If you walk by his locker during the week at the Cardinals Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center, as I read this off the uh, the monogram, the yeah, logo here, it's easier right. There over it there. is, oh, right over there. Uh, point me to the prompter. Um, he's a big classic rock guy. Have you ever noticed the music that's coming from his locker? I've noticed players getting on his case for the music <laughs> coming from his locker. Yeah, they never give him the aux cord, never. He, and he admits it. He, he admits that, yeah, he's the most uh, despised guy when it comes to choice of music in the locker room. But you walk over there, like one time it was Summer of Love, 1967. He had some Johnny Cash going, which isn't even classic rock. He had some Allman Brothers one day, some Leonard Skinnerd. I mean, every time. It's, and then Tanner Vallejo just sits there, and I'm like, Tanner, you have to absorb this? He's, oh, Tanner just nods accordingly. He said, yeah. And, and, and Zayvon laughs. He said, yep, Tanner, he's, he's, I've educated Tanner. I've coached him up on a lot of the classic rock over the years so there you, know you go those Oklahoma boys yeah so and that was his um sack celebration the rodeo the lasso oh, was it that's what I took it as I did not see that I didn't see it that's what I took it as okay he looked like a little putting his arm above his head in a circle a little yeehaw <laughs> action it's, it's harder than ever to see on the sideline because you you're have, shrinking. Yes, I'm not talking about me standing behind him. Look, it's already enough of a challenge, me behind offensive linemen, okay? It's already enough of a challenge. Now we have the hard knocks crew there, oh, and with yeah. these NFL films cameras, are everywhere. So you're dodging the audio people, you're dodging the photographers, you know. I mean, as if it, it can always get worse, hashtag. And it is because the. And let me tell you, there I was doing the Zayvon Collins interview, and I'm like, okay, and the, the emotions are raw, and you're in the locker room, here comes Zayvon, you're trying to keep your voice down a little bit, and then boom, right in your mug, right there is an NFL Films camera, and they're videoing the whole thing. So now I'm like, okay, A. First of all, you I'm trying love to, the camera. No, no. <laughs> I'm trying to ask questions, A, that don't get me punched, and then B, now i got to wonder, okay, I'm trying to ask questions that don't end up on stinking hard knocks if this goes sideways for the wrong reasons. Well, I, that's the thing is, like, you're talking about the camera, and I'm like, it, that's only going to get worse. Hard knocks starts next week? No, no. No, November 9th. November 9th. 9th. Yeah. It was the first episode. But but they're recording. Oh, no, they've got all kinds of stuff already. So, so what are they going to include? What do they have? Uh, there is going to be a Calvisi episode. I think. You'll be no, no, in there. No, no, Don't no, worry, no, no, Paul. No, no, no. I mean, there's going to be like, you know, I mean, TV time, they'll probably take eight or nine minutes off the top of the first episode to sort of recap where yeah. the Cardinals are. No, and, and they've been they've been putting out little clips here and there to keep promoting it. I've noticed on, on social media. But, yeah, I mean... What did they have? They could have a whole. They could have a whole series already if yeah. they, if they were doing this part of the year. That's for sure. We we have no idea what they might have captured already. That could be some really compelling and intriguing stuff. We we have no idea because they're they've been going a lot of places. None of us are allowed. So I, it's, it's I, I'm interesting. allowed. But okay. you're not welcome. Not really. No, I'm not welcome. Yeah. So yeah. That's that's you know. no no different for me. Yeah. So all right, Thursday night. Uh, D hop. What is the uh, D hop? What is the current win loss record by the home team on Thursday night? Is that still a decisive advantage these days? It would have been nice if you had given us a heads up to look that up. Come on, guys. Come on. I don't know that, but I know Thursday will be 361 days since the Cardinals' last win at home. Wow. Okay. Moment of silence for that information right there. Uh, Craig Grillo, I bet, knows exactly the Thursday night splits between the home and the road team. Probably. Yeah. Uh, you figure it's got to be an advantage, though, obviously, if you're the home team. On a short week and you got to travel, so we'll see if that matters, if that comes out. I mean, 
there is the Cardinals are favored. They are favored, right? Yeah. Is that first time this season, or were no, they, they favored, were favored at last week? They were favored at Seattle. Okay. Well, well. Once again, as, as soon as the sunshine was out, uh, you knew something was going to go sideways. It was going to go wrong. It just threw everyone for a loop. The fact it was actually near 80 degrees and sunny in Seattle. So that, that, was, a, that was a problem. No question That was about a great it. first Seattle experience for me, though. What, did, what stood out to you, Danny, in your Seattle experience? Well, before dinner, we walked around downtown, did the touristy things, even though it was closed, walked by the fish market, the gum wall, which is oh, yeah, gross. gross. <laughs> Jinx. And we watched the rest of the baseball game somewhere, got a drink before heading to dinner with you guys. Man, there were a lot of down Mariners fans walking around in Mariners And jerseys. the Seattle Kraken lost. Oh. Oh. Um, and then I, I really enjoyed Lumen Field. I thought it was a really fun experience, just being down there pregame. It was fun to kind of experience a place that you hear about and the fans and all that stuff. Yeah, and the sign guy and all that. The were sign he, guy, he, he said I was his new favorite. Oh, he you you interacted with the sign I guy? I did, okay. quite, a, quite a few times, yes. Paul's interacted with him. Oh, I'm sure we had different interactions, no, if no, I know anything yeah. about you no, at all. It sounds like he was cordial towards you. Uh, he's been very hostile towards me. So, uh, you know, I try not to take that personally, but I get it, you know. So uh, some of his signs, though, um, yeah, I don't know. He wasn't on his A game, put it that way, with some of the signs. Now he has other people holding his signs, too. He's, like, branched out. He's, like, he's See, expanded. When, once Come you on. become a brand, it's just yeah. it loses everything. And now a lot of people go up and shake his hand. No, he's still the enemy. Still the enemy. He's still, I mean, I don't care if you think it's funny or creative or whatever. It's still at the expense of the home team. So, no, I'm not, I'm not going up there shaking that guy's hand. Come on now. He's still a member of the 12s. Ugh. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Well, it, it, it does feel like a Monday. Uh, after a loss, a road game. And so uh, I wish we had more answers, but we don't. Maybe D-Hop is the answer. Maybe. No, he's not the end-all be-all, Maybe. but what hopefully some help. Didn't Cliff say on one of the, I don't know if it was the radio side or the press conference, he started asking for the game plan immediately Monday morning? DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah. Something makes sense. Did. Sure. Okay. All Here right. we go. Here we go. Buckle hey, look, up. Patrick Peterson played a heck of a game in New York after the six-game suspension. That's true, he did. He played a heck of a game. Now, so then it didn't go very well after that. Yeah, it was downhill from there, but um, he did come out and he did ball. So we'll see. I mean, think about it. In some ways, and, and we can ask DeAndre Hopkins this, but, I mean, he's got really fresh legs, obviously. And I'm guessing a lot of guys are going to be on that field on Thursday night with some heavy legs. So yeah, I want, true. I wonder if that, you know, in a weird way – um, Robbie Anderson's legs probably aren't very tired either. Right. Yeah. So here we go. Darren's calling it the deep ball game. Here we go. It's the get right game wasn't against Seattle. It's Thursday night against the Saints, and that's where we'll leave it here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. <laughs>